0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Cannabisradio.com proudly presents Cannabis Curriculum. Presented by the Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Cannabis Curriculum is a show that highlights the work students are doing to end the war on drugs. SSDP mobilizes and empowers young people to participate in the political process, pushing for sensible policies while fighting back against the counterproductive drug war, uniting college campuses worldwide. Cannabis Curriculum will feature both current SSDP students and alumni who will discuss how they are engaged in drug policy reform on the campus, local, state, federal, and international levels. Join us in the global conversation uniting college campuses right now on Cannabis Curriculum.
4: Thanks for joining us, and welcome to Cannabis Curriculum, presented by Students for Sensible Drug Policy. My name is Jake Agliata, Outreach Coordinator for SSDP, and your host for the next 30 minutes. Today on our show, we'll be talking with a few rock star SSDPers from the University of California, Davis, and Virginia Commonwealth University about Good Samaritan policies. Good Samaritan policies, also known as medical amnesty, are life-saving measures that enable people to make responsible decisions by shielding them from punishment when they call for medical help during an emergency relating to alcohol or other drugs. There are more than 250 colleges and universities with some form of a Good Samaritan policy on the books, and over 25 states now have some form of the law on their books since ssdp launched its campus change campaign in 2005 we have played an integral role in the growing trend of good samaritan policies across the country let's go ahead and introduce our guest for today rose bono has been involved with the virginia commonwealth university ssdp chapter for several years since 2013 she has been working to pass a statewide good samaritan policy in virginia and just this year was present when the governor signed a limited version of the policy into law. Rose, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me.
4: Thank you for coming on. We also have two members of the University of California Davis SSDP chapter here today. Eric Goods, vice chair and campaign manager, and Kat Gilbert, chair of the executive board. They have recently begun a campaign to enact a Good Samaritan policy not only at UC Davis, but the entire University of California school system. How are you two doing today?
5: Hi, Jake. Thanks for having us. Doing great.
3: Thanks for having us, Jake.
4: So let's just jump right into it. This question is for both of you, but we'll start with Rose. How did you first learn what a good Samaritan policy was? And what motivated you to start working towards enacting this policy?
1: So... I came into my university's SSDP chapter as a freshman and some of the older officers were already working on it. What they had done was they had tried to go to the school level and met with a lot of resistance. They had tried to go to the local level and supersede the school level because the school is in the city's jurisdiction and they'd met with city uh, resistance. And then we decided we had to go to the state level. So I came in somewhere towards the end of that when it was already an important issue to the chapter on my campus, over time, working with the people in the chapter began to realize just how important it was. Going to parties as a student, I would see the kinds of things happen, such as people would take somebody who was, had too much to drink, and they would put them in a bathtub and just kind of hope everything got better. And so I could see firsthand that people, students my age, were afraid to make the call to potentially save somebody's life. And I realized that something had to be done about this for everybody's safety.
4: Yeah, that illustrates right there why these policies are so important for college campuses. Students get into these situations all the time, um, unintentionally. And it's really important that we empower students to make the responsible decision when that time comes. Eric and Kat, talk about how you first heard about Good Samaritan policies and what motivated you to start the campaign.
5: To kind of get started, I mean, it really was one happenstance afternoon. I was passing by the, the campus, and I noticed that the newly emerged SSDP chapter here in Davis just starting to take root. And this was one of their, their primary concerns on campus for one of their initial campaigns that they were interested in starting, primarily because the state law, as you know, in California, did pass a Good Samaritan uh, policy, and that's been on the books for just over two years now. Unfortunately, there is still some discrepancy between the state policy as it's laid out within the state of California and what happens on the college campuses. So, that was sort of the initial intake and shock that I learned from it, kind of where we were interested in really bringing this out to college campuses and bringing this out to to light so that we can kind of illuminate and illustrate the discrepancy between the state policy and what's actually happening on college campuses.
3: When I was 19, I began using medical cannabis to treat my PTSD. I started looking up what the laws were that pertained to me in California, and I became vaguely aware of Good Samaritan policies. And it wasn't until I arrived at the university that I learned that didn't apply to the university, and I need to change that.
5: And it's kind of one of the big things, too, is that especially when we started really getting involved and in talking to the students and trying to figure out more of their perspective on how they were navigating this very strange issue between the state law and the campus law, that's kind of where we started to find some of these stories and some of these interesting cases that were coming about, such as folks like Kat, So,
4: And it's really interesting that both of you, in regards to the chapter at Virginia Commonwealth University and the chapter at UC Davis, has had different experiences in regards to state policy with this law. Um, in California, there already is the Good Samaritan policy in place, and in Virginia, there isn't one. So both of you have had different challenges when trying to pass this law on campus, since the state law is so vastly different. Next question I have, this goes off something that you were just talking about, Eric. So I'd like it if you and Kat could answer first. What were the initial reactions when you talked to people on campus about potentially doing a campaign like this? And how did you start to formulate your first steps towards talking to people? And how did you kind of figure out what you were going to do first?
5: So basically, the biggest thing I could say that was comprised of our initial reaction from students as we're out there talking to students about harm reduction services and things that we can do to better reform our drug policies is that we we had this real deep recognition of how much sort of fear, apprehension, it was really, you know, permeating through the college campus environment. So a lot of students had expressed to us that, yes, this was stuff that they supported. These are policies and these were sensible things that they did support. However, they did have a lot of fear and apprehension about, you know, even helping out some of their closest friends in some of these very serious, life-threatening issues. So that was one of the biggest things that we had sort of initially encountered was a lot of that fear and, and sort of the uncertainty of what would happen to their college future, the uncertainty of what would happen to their housing, what would happen to their student loans, with the threats of college tuition increases also kind of playing in a big piece of this. Specifically in the UC system, um, this was sort of very heavy on people's minds. That sort of weighing that potential of losing their their financial, you know, solvent, you know, losing their financial ground, if you will. So that was kind of one of the big things that we saw.
3: And on that note. As we were doing this, we learned that a lot of students in general just don't know what their rights are as Californians, if they're California residents, and what their rights are in general. So when we learned that, we moved forward and collaborated with our National Lawyers Guild to have a Know Your Rights seminar.
5: Yeah, just starting to launch uh, you know, several educational events and because we recognized that that was kind of one of the first things that we wanted to help close the gap on here with students on campus.
4: And Rose, I know you came into the campaign a little bit later that your chapter started before you got there. Talk a little bit about either what the first steps that your chapter took were or some of the first things that you saw on campus when you started to get involved in the campaign. And I would especially be interested to hear what some of the reactions were. and What were some of the first things you did when you started talking to legislators in the state government of Virginia?
1: What I found sort of echoing the other comments here is that a lot of people don't really think about this issue until they've been affected by it. This is something that I found both at the university campus level and when organizing statewide people. You talk to people about this and they're like, oh, of course that makes perfect sense. But they don't actually get active in doing it until they've seen somebody overdose or somebody they know has died from overdose, which is a reactionary tactic that makes this kind of activism very difficult. However, at the legislative level, I actually found a whole lot of receptivity. So I met with my legislator when I moved into a new legislative district, brought this issue to her attention. And immediately she was like, that's common sense. That's great. We will start on this. It was actually a lot less of a fight. I think the differences between our unsuccessful attempt in the past and when we actually started making moves within the legislature was planning it out in advance. That sounds like common sense, but it's a much easier said than done. I went before the legislative session started, so they had time to craft language into a bill that would be amenable to both parties in the, within the legislature, as opposed to just going in a reactive way, as I had mentioned earlier once the legislative session had started.
4: Very good. Right now, we need to take a break. But when we come back, we'll keep talking with our guests about Good Samaritan policies right here on Cannabis Curriculum.
2: More Cannabis Curriculum after this brief message.
0: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
2: Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid.
3: I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around.
2: Cannabis Curriculum, presented by the Students for Sensible
4: Drug Policy, uniting college campuses worldwide,
2: only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Welcome back to Cannabis Curriculum, presented by Students for Sensible Drug Policy. I'm Jake Agliotta, and we're talking about Good Samaritan policies with Rose Bono from Virginia Commonwealth University, SSDP, Eric Goods from University of California, Davis, SSDP, And Kat Gilbert, also from University of California, Davis, SSDP. I want to talk a little bit more about what we were talking about before the break and some of the challenges that you first faced when you first started to talk to people about this policy. And, Rose, I want to begin with you again, because you had the particular challenge of trying to pass a drug policy in Virginia, um, which I know you know can be especially challenging. So in terms of the opponents you had and some of your detractors, so you can tell us a little bit about some of the more, I guess you could say, conservative backlash towards passing this policy and how you respond to those criticisms.
1: Sure. So one of the biggest things that we heard testifying at the hearings for the initial bill was that this was a get out of jail free card for drug users. You can't see it, but I'm using air quotes. And this was actually pretty common to hear which is disappointing. And it was really difficult trying to express to them, this is very, very limited. This is narrow immunity. We would love if there were some way to link people who have experienced an overdose or a suspected overdose into treatment. There are a lot of ways to counter some of this idea that you're just being soft on drugs, this whole soft on crime is still very popular rhetoric among some of the more conservative people. And I think what it took in Virginia, honestly, was a structural support at the level of the, the governor's office. And we had the attorney general help craft the language that ultimately passed this year. So we had um, some higher level support on this. It was a weaker bill, but it was more amenable, and it provided much narrower protections. We are hoping to expand it in the future, but it was one of those baby steps sort of things where we couldn't go all in at first because it seemed really scary to be offering all this protection. Specifically, the word amnesty was very problematic, I will say, when we were talking to some of these more conservative policymakers.
4: And so you mentioned that the language of the bill had to be compromised and it definitely has a form of a limited Good Samaritan policy. Can you tell us about what the bill does do and how it does protect people?
1: To be honest, it's a very weak bill right or law right now. So it provides some protections if somebody is arrested and goes to court. It will provide um, limited affirmative defense if there is overdose or suspected overdose. And in order for that affirmative defense to be invoked, You need to cooperate with the police. You need to give them your information. And these are all huge barriers for people who use drugs. If you think about somebody who has a lot of drugs, maybe they're on probation. They're not going to make that call if it's maybe I'll get off in court as opposed to I'm safe. I can call without fear. So that's sort of the compromises that we had to make. And we're hoping I'm hoping at least to chip away at those little by little to actually make something that would encourage people to make the call. You can't be in an overdose situation and thinking, "Okay, am I willing to give the cops my name? Do I have everything put away? That is not going to make an effective policy.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I hope that in the future, obviously, you continue working and we can get this language to be where it needs to be. I'm happy, obviously, that provides some amount of protections to residents of Virginia. There's more work that needs to be done, but hey, I guess it's better than what it was six months ago. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eric Eric and Kat, let's go to you two now. Original question I asked Rose was, who are some of the opponents you've been facing so far and what is the language they've been using? I know you guys have sort of just gotten started on campus, but I know you guys have had some dialogues with people. So yeah. Have the many detractors, and what has their messaging kind of been towards you?
5: Yeah, so interestingly enough, one of the more optimistic things that we've encountered so far is that we haven't found any very rigid or standfast opposition to this. It's more like cautioned curiosity, if I was to put it lightly. Essentially, there are individuals. You know, typical figures of administrative authority, law enforcement, local law enforcement that have expressed some concern uh, with providing some of this, um, you know, providing the medical amnesty and the Good Samaritan policy on campus. And it gets back to what Rose was talking about with some of the some of the discrepancy. But what I found very interesting was, was that there was a big issue with how a lot of these folks were thinking about harm reduction and how they were sort of translating that into kind of what Rose was saying with the get-out-of-jail-free sort of mentality. Because, I mean, if you think about it, uh, harm reduction is incredibly prevalent in our society. Even if you consider seatbelts and if you consider smoke detectors as just base examples, seatbelts, for instance, don't lead to more people driving faster, much like smoke detectors don't lead more people to be smoking inside. Um, they're just simply harm reduction measures for responsible citizens in a responsible society. I think, yeah, the initial thing was kind of to get them to understand a little bit more about that perspective and how that kind of applies to this very serious health concern for its students that they're entrusted to protect and provide for. But, yeah, so that, I guess that would be kind of sort of a general synthesis of that.
3: Um, some of the roadblocks we've come across is there's been in gathering hard numbers and data about what the actual, like, uh prevalence of overdose is we've tried to cooperate with people in student health services, but they are unwilling to uh, hand over what data they might have on overdose. So the university is has an investment to make in uh, its image. So we've had trouble there.
5: We have had very successful talks with one branch within the university, the student health education and promotion. Uh, we've been actually working very closely with several individuals within that department within student health and, and counseling and, and wellness services on campus looking very closely at adopting similar policy that was proposed at uh, UC San Diego actually last year, which did actually codify a good Samaritan Medical Amnesty policy within you know within their network there. So we're looking to sort of build upon the language and the considerations that were presented down at uh, UC San Diego. And kind of with the support of, you know, some of these possibly traditional folks you would consider as traditional opposition and building that with our policies here at Davis and then eventually through the WUC system.
4: Great. And I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because so often some of the biggest allies of SDP chapters and just of drug policy reformers in general are people that work in the medical fields, the mental health fields, places such as that, especially on college campuses so on the opposite end of the spectrum, and Rose, I'd like you to answer this one because I know you've been working with a lot of people like this. Who have been some of your biggest allies and supporters both on campus and off campus too?
1: Our Student Wellness Center was an informal ally due to political reasons. They couldn't come out and actually support a policy because they're a state-funded school, but they've been really helpful in connecting us with data and resources. And within the, at the state level, Some of the biggest allies are the recovery community and the community of people who have lost people to overdose. These are people who see this firsthand and who have witnessed the pain of losing someone to overdose and would do anything to prevent that from happening to somebody else. So I would encourage anybody interested in this area of activism to get in touch with those communities. They're usually very receptive to this sort of policy effort.
4: Eric, we have a little bit more time left. If we have to go to break, do you want to talk about some of the allies on your campus?
5: Yeah, the health education and promotion. uh, They've been, we've been kind of working with them on crafting some of the specifics on the policy language. We've also been fortunate to have a few allies outside of the university as well. So we've been talking with local harm reduction services uh, within Sacramento, and greater Sacramento area, which of course is very close by our campus, as well as few different student organizations that have expressed interest in helping us out as well. So we do have some very positive input uh, from the community kind of once we get rolling. Uh,
3: Going forward in the fall, we have several plans in motion to collaborate with harm reduction services as well. The Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies to focus on uh, harm reduction and to start training the Davis uh, student body in how to be more aware of what signs to look for in the signs of an overdose or alcohol poisoning.
5: Mm-hmm. And that kind of leading all into to the package that we're presenting to consideration
4: as well. We need to take another quick break here, but we still have some more to hear from our guests on Good Samaritan policies. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. More
2: cannabis curriculum after this brief message.
0: most people who use don't have a problem so i think that you need to think about policy in that way while
5: educating people properly about marijuana i think that's the way to go
0: burning issues only on cannabisradio.com hi i'm Montel williams most of you know me as a talk show host but i'm also an author actor single father of four avid snowboarder and i'm also a medical marijuana patient Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at MPP.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP.
2: Cannabis Curriculum, presented by the Students for Sensible Drug Policy, uniting college campuses worldwide, only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Welcome back. I'm Jake Agliata, and you're listening to Cannabis Curriculum presented by Students for Sensible Drug Policy. We're talking about Good Samaritan policies today with Rose Bono from Virginia Commonwealth University, SSDP, and Eric Goods and Kat Gilbert from University of California, Davis, SSDP. As we wrap up the segment, I want to talk to you both about the broader effects implementing these policies can have. And we'll start with you, Rose. How do you feel implementing a full Good Samaritan policy in Virginia? is going to impact other areas of drug policy reform in the state?
1: That's a great question. I think one of the biggest positives from passing a policy like this, and at least getting it talked about, is that we have a lot more attention on issues of addiction, on issues of disease transmission via needle sharing, and on overdose. You probably know that overdose is on the rise everywhere in this country. Virginia has a lot of rural populations that are no exception to this. So we're really getting the conversation started. And another thing that I want to emphasize here is that this issue goes a lot. It goes far beyond drug policy. It's about not being afraid to call for help. So the sex worker who's getting beaten up, the undocumented immigrant who's being raped. These people need to be able to call 911 without fear of consequences. So people need to be thinking about the intersectionality of these issues in vulnerable populations, which can lead to some unlikely allies. Um, I do want to throw in a word of caution um, for any drug policy activists, though, so in my experience, it is best to keep things simple. Avoid linking drug overdoses to these other complex and contentious social issues that I mentioned. That's actually the reason that in Virginia we use the phrase safe reporting of overdoses instead of medical amnesty, because amnesty is a no-no word. It reminds Republicans of immigration, and that's not where strategic method is going to go. So when you're organizing your community, it can help to widen the lens and see the interconnections of this type of policy broadly. But when talking to legislators and coming up with a policy, you might want to refine your frame and narrow down.
4: Thank you so much, Rose, for that response. I think that's incredibly important to remember that these policies and drug policy form in general is about people more than it is about drugs. Very rarely do drug policies have anything to do with the actual drugs, and it's all about trying to help people find peace, find medical help, and find help when they need it. Eric and Kat, how do you think your Good Samaritan campaign will enable your SADP chapter to pursue even more opportunities for reform on your campus, or even in California in general?
5: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So uh, very much like Rose was talking about as well, and I, and that I was nodding right along, the real big thing that we're hoping to do here is to, uh, first of all, change the conversation. Like was was mentioned before, you know, the, these issues are very important. They're very much intertwined with a lot of the socio political, economic issues that we have in today's times, and it's stuff that a lot of youth are, are, are really concerned about, and a lot of college students and those that support the college communities are also very concerned about. So we are very excited, and we're also very uh, encouraged by the prospect of, of being able to contribute to, to helping to change that conversation in a more responsible, positive, and ultimately sensible direction. You know, essentially, we're looking for students to, to to feel okay, and we want them to feel okay for seeking help rather than risk getting hurt. And we want to sort of encourage that form of responsible behavior. So this is sort of getting this uh, foot start on the on the right path. And I know Kat was uh, Actually, had some very interesting ideas for different programs and policies that something like this could lead into. So,
3: what we were just discussing at our last UC Davis SSDP meeting was uh, ideas going into fall, perhaps implementing a drug overdose hotline and getting students trained on how to field these calls and uh, reaching out to the other student organizations, including Greek life. We want to really communicate the message that we're not here to push politics. We're here to help people and saving lives is our main objective. So we want to get all the as many student organizations as possible on campus to realize that everything that we're doing with SSDP is also in their best interest. So we're looking at a drug overdose hotline in the future. And in the fall, we're in the process of laying out the works for a perhaps a harm reduction certification that we need to be renewed every two years. And so this is some of the things that we have in the works. We're really focused on Empowering students, getting medical treatment where it's needed, um, education, and uh, going in that direction.
5: Also, all these, these little pieces, as they all start to fit together, will obviously contribute to an overall greater narrative and overall larger things that we're seeing uh, across the country when it comes to legalization efforts, when it comes to individuals doing more investigation and more research avenues being opened up for the uh, greater psychedelic community as well. So very interesting stuff, and uh, we're, we're very happy to be a part of that movement and be a part of that conversation change as well.
4: Great. That is so fantastic to hear. And to any other student activists out there, if you're looking to get involved with drug policy on campus, aside from obviously starting an SSDP chapter, getting involved in the Good Samaritan campaign is a great way to start. It's a terrific campaign to run on a college campus. It's something that's sorely needed on these campuses and as you just heard from Rose and Eric, it can lead to greater opportunities for even bigger change down the road, too. Uh, I want to thank Rose, Eric, and Kat for joining us today. It was great. I had a great time. I hope you all did, too. Great. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. No problem at all. And I want to thank all you listeners out there for joining us for this edition of Cannabis Curriculum. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and very soon on iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook and Google+. If you are a student and want to learn more about how you can get involved with SSDP on your campus, check out our website at ssdp.org. We hope you'll join us next time when we discuss further ways student activists are making a difference on their campus and in their communities. Thanks for listening and stay sensible.